The Way Out Podcast, episode 107. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out, sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you, one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out Podcast is sponsored by Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check out the official website of the Way Out Podcast at www.wayoutcast.com. There you will find links to our latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Radio FM. You can also follow the Way Out Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us get the message out that lifelong recovery from alcoholism and addiction is possible by giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Have a question or comment about an upcoming or previous show? Call us right now. Area code 218-382-1960. We're going to start featuring your comments and questions on the podcast. Call us anytime, day or night and leave us a message on whatever is on your mind. Maybe it's a previous episode topic or something that you're struggling with in your own recovery. Call us at 218-382-1960 and leave the Way Out podcast hosts a message and we could feature it on our next episode. That's 218-382-1960. Help us recover out loud. Don't forget... The way we get the message out to those who still suffer is to give this podcast a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to go to allrecoveryrings.com to get yourself the most epic ring made right from your recovery medallion of choice. That's allrecoveryrings.com. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. Along with my co-hosts, Jordan and Jason, I'm Charlie, and this week we're breaking down perhaps one of the most, if not the most important elements in sustaining meaningful recovery, the act of service in recovery. The practice of altruistic service has been a part of civilization since the dawn of man, and the benefits of this selfless form of service are well supported by every major wisdom tradition, including 12-step organizations, all major religions, and even the Tao Te Ching, dating back more than 2,500 years, will enlighten you and distill the benefits, the forms of service, and the how and why of it all right now. Plus, we take calls from the way out podcast listeners listen up jason jordan hey what's going on the way out podcast is back Mm. and we're talking about a recovery power topic service in recovery yeah so 
let's do a couple of things to start out. Jordan, we want to get to know you, and we want the Way Out podcast audience to get to know you, okay? So let's do that, and maybe just uh, introduce yourself to the Way Out podcast audience, who you are, uh, how long you've been sober, and uh, a little bit about how you got into recovery. All right, what's up, Way Out podcast? My name is Jordan. Um, Actually, I will have a year of sobriety on the 23rd of this month, by the grace of God. Um, wait, wait, wait. That deserves a an amazing round of applause. One year, yeah! Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it was a lot of pain, a lot of pain that went into this year. Um, I was in a very abusive relationship, and uh, I knew that I was going to die either by his hand or by my own, and I needed to figure out a way uh, how to stop hating myself, really, because you could take away the drugs or the alcohol, but if I didn't fix what was going on with me, I was never going to stay sober, because mm. I had a God-sized hole. I had things that, you know, I was always feeling a void, mm. um, and my friend Jason here sitting next to me actually picked me up on November 22nd of last year. Wow, you remember the day. Yeah, November well, my sober date's the 23rd. 22nd. So he picks you up on November 22nd. From my from the, where I was living with my ex in Minneapolis. And mind you, I hadn't slept for a few days. I was dirty. I was greasy. I was... <laughs> my face was black and blue and green. And uh, we're driving. And all of a sudden, we pull into a restaurant parking lot. Lo and behold, we're uh, going out to dinner with him and his sponsor and some guys. And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. He's like, well, we're doing it. <laughs> right? And I'm like, ready or not. Shit. And then uh, brought me to my first meeting. And this uh, this time it stuck. You know, I'd been in and out of the program. Uh, I have a sponsor that I've actually been working with for three years, but uh, consistently now for a year and uh, I started working the steps like my life depended on it because it did and mm. threw myself into service work immediately um, on the 23rd was last year was Thanksgiving I was at the Alano volunteering my time um, service work has been huge in my recovery and I've just you know I have the pleasure of taking other women through the book now and showing them how to take somebody else through the book and it's all it's all come together and I but I wouldn't be here without Jason Jason has been a blessing and a really good friend you know he never gave up on me he was always there for me even when I was still full of it not ready to do it but then I did it and I'm so thankful that I've been on this journey with him because he's been a big influence in my life Jordan I am just so grateful that you're on the way out podcast what would you say is the biggest difference this time in recovery versus previous times my willingness um so i finally get like what all those sayings mean like half measures avail half measures avail us nothing because i always did it half-assed you know and i always got nothing and really i used to despise people who i saw happy in recovery like doing it because they were so happy all the time i hated that but that's because i had no solution i had no solution um but it really because the steps are simple like it's it's a simple program, it, but it's hard mm-hmm. because we go through our life with a fine tooth comb, and we see how we showed up, and who we were, and how we've been, and that's not pretty, but it's so necessary for that growth. You know, we give up, we give it away, we give it to somebody else, and we let go of control. Because for me, I don't know about anybody else, but the more control I tried to have, the less control I really had over my life. Oh, yeah. So one of the things you just said there, and this is a perfect transition into service and recovery, is. 
we go through our lives and we identify one of the things we do if we're working a 12-step program is we identify how we showed up <laughs> before coming into recovery, right? And we now look to show up in a different way. And one of the ways we can show up in a different way is being of service. You mentioned that's a big piece of your recovery, Jordan. Jason, I know that's a, a cornerstone <laughs> of your recovery Yeah, is the idea that, uh, you know, service has to be a part of it. You know, very early on for me, it became very clear that the will of the God of my understanding, whom I didn't really understand, just to be clear, was for me to be of maximum service to the God of my understanding and the people around me. Yeah. Every day. Uh, every day. Every day. Mm. Not just on Mondays well, or know, Tuesdays, but every day. What I tell people is, too, is like, there is a million ways you can be of service in your daily life as well. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, have cleaning out somebody's um, Tupperware cabinet and organizing for them, shoveling a driveway, holding a door open for somebody. When you are in your stuff and feeling like garbage, sending out a text to other people, just asking them how they're doing, not unloading your stuff on them, but just seeing how somebody else is doing. I mean, there's a million ways. Getting out of yourself and helping somebody else. Now, I did some research before the show today. (laughs) (laughs) I did some Google Foo, yo! So, the Google Foo said, when I asked Google what service meant, uh, Google said service means the action of helping or doing work for someone else. Now, the type of service that we do is of the altruistic variety. That sounds like a fancy word. Let's <laughs> let's get a way out podcast definition of altruism, shall we? Yeah. The belief in or practice of disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others. So I am forgetting about myself and I am interested only in your well-being. One of the things I found out really early on in recovery is I can't. I I, I do not have the mental capacity to focus on me and you at the same time because I'm a terrible multitasker. (laughs) That's real. So that allowed me to forget about myself. And you know what? That was beautiful. Yeah. That was beautiful. That's what I had been trying to do with drugs and alcohol for so long long to varying degrees of success right is forget about all the stuff that goes on inside of me right and i can do that through service but the but the but the difference is it really changes me long term it has this long term positive impact on me right Now, there's been some research, there's been some scientific research, some peer-reviewed scientific research on service work and recovery. Okay. Okay. So, how, let's ask a question, we'll do a poll, we'll do between Jordan and Jason. (laughs) How many times more likely are you to sustain long-term recovery 
if you are regular, regularly doing service in recovery. And by the way, the science and the research proves that the kind of service you do doesn't matter. So it can be washing coffee cups. Back in the day, we washed ashtrays, right? Yeah. Putting chairs away, setting chairs up, making coffee, greeting. Huge. Those are huge. All of those are... Right, or it could be speaking, or it can be you know more you know uh, um, people might associate those as you know uh, bigger forms of service, but they're not. They're really not. So the kind of service doesn't matter. So how much more likely are you to maintain long term recovery if you're regularly involved in service, Jason? <laughs> I would say you're a hundred times more likely. Feels that way. What do you think? I mean, I think Jordan, your what you put into it is what you get back, you know. So I think if you're all in doing service work, getting outside of yourself, and really, like, there's a million ways to like humble yourself and to be thankful and to give back. And I feel like, like, I was, uh, I felt I spent like the better part of twenty years feeling worthless, right? You know, and when I am doing things for others or doing service work, I feel like I am worthwhile. Like I have purpose. Like I'm giving something, and for me, like I like I said, I wouldn't be here without service work. So you're twice as likely. Oh, twice. Twice as likely wow. to maintain long-term recovery if just that element is there. Now, Jordan, I want you to get closer to the microphone. Oh. So all of the Way Out podcast listenership can hear you loud and clear. But yeah, you're twice as much, twice as likely to maintain long-term recovery. And again, that's one element, right? Now, what if you have a sponsor and you have all these other things, you know, that uh, there's a lot of factors that increase your likelihood of maintaining long-term recovery, but to double your chances through service, that's insane, right? So let's talk about the kinds of service. First of all, I want to talk about the kinds of service that you guys do, okay? Mm-hmm. And then we can maybe expand that out just in terms of, you know, the kinds of service that can be done in recovery. Okay. So let's start with Jason. What are your core service elements? I mean, you're all over it, yeah. right? Right. So yeah, I, I, I urge keep the... myself busy. <laughs> uh. All right. Take it away. What do you do? What does your let's service see. look like? From day one, uh, there was a business meeting. My first meeting when I actually got a sponsor for real and wanted to do the work was a CMA meeting. That's Crystal Meth Anonymous. And it, there was a business meeting after, and he was like, you're going to – or they needed a secretary, right? So I, like – he made me say I wanted to do it, and this other girl wanted to do it. Well, they kicked us out of the business meeting. One of the other service people, um, the chair – decided to step down so that we could both have a service spot, service commitment to take on. And so right away I was into, I was chairing that. I think I chaired that meeting for six months. Since then I I really, for a while, dove into um, stuff with Minnesota Recovery Connections. So I started out uh, doing the Recovery Coach Academy and doing outreach at um, like local events. 
uh, you know, just explaining what MRC is and what their mission is. And then it turned into doing TRS calls, which is telephone recovery support. And I would call people who signed up for that service and check on them and see how they were doing in their recovery and uh, help navigate resources for those people. Then I ended up getting certified as a peer recovery specialist. Now I'm getting more into the ministry side of things, my spiritual aspects. So I'm part of this recovery ministry, Grace Recovery. Currently, I'm a leader there every Tuesday. I do this podcast. I, uh, let's see what else I do. I do a bunch of crap. I and y'all might, y'all might know we don't get paid. Right, right. Not for nothing. <laughs> for you know, people ask me all the time too, cause I'm like always running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I'm like, no, I don't get paid. Yep. But I've, I've actually appeared on many other podcasts. I am, uh, one of the administrators of a Facebook group called Sober and Serious. I help a lot of people through that avenue. Uh, also on intherooms.com, which is like an online meeting site. I help a lot of people on there. I also facilitate meetings on the share space. Um, that's a private, like, uh, recovery group. Uh, anybody can join it. It's share, S-H-A-I-R space. And, jeez, uh, man, I don't know. I sponsor people. I keep in touch with my sponsor. What has service done for you? If you, know, you can, you know, relate that. So you're, you're incredibly involved in service. It's of the variety where you're doing this and you're not. No, with zero expectations, right. none, zero. And like now, I'm too. I'm I'm uh, training to become a Stephen minister, so that's like within my church, helping people through hard times. Um, and that's like a six month training. I just started that a couple weeks ago. But yeah, for service for me, it's like like you kind of touched on it earlier. I get out of myself. It keeps me busy. You know, everybody's heard that saying, idle time is the devil's plaything. Mm -hmm. And I totally think that boredom is one of my Achilles heels. You know, if I start getting too bored, like I literally, if I'm at home, I don't watch TV. I don't really listen to music. I just like, I need time to, for quiet and meditation and just like to center because I'm, I do, you know, I just go, 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 go. But it's, it's good, and it's rewarding, you know, and, and there's no service without sacrifice because, you know, you're probably sitting there thinking, wow, it sounds like such a full schedule, and it is, and sometimes I don't want to fucking do this stuff, um, mm. but when I get my ass up and I go anyway, if I don't want to go to that meeting or I don't want to answer that phone call or that Facebook message or whatever it might be when somebody's reaching out to me, if I um, forcibly make myself do it and show up in a genuine you know, like carrying weight and putting my feelings aside, you know, because it's so easy to take that out on somebody or kind of be short or cranky with them because and they don't know that you've been running yourself ragged or whatever. So they're probably like, what the fuck? But, you know, I try to be genuine and caring and all my endeavors. And, man, you know, I always end up like my sponsor says, I came in limping and I came dancing out. Mm. Right? And that's how I would explain service uh living this life of servanthood is a you know it's it's a conscious decision on my part to be committed to being there for others whether i want to do it in the moment or not and that's important jason i've found for me that the most rewarding service often for me is when i don't want to do it but do it anyhow and then i 
walk away from that service more grateful than in any other way because it was hard it required a lot for me and it required a genuine sacrifice and there's not much there's not anything else that really compares with that feeling jordan what does your service in recovery look like oh wow Um, when you started and what does it look like today uh, when I started, like I said, um, so I volunteer a lot of uh, my time uh, at Alano's and things like that, um, holidays, preparing food. Uh, I also uh, work in a kitchen one day a week, um, serving coffee, making food. Um, <clears throat> there's a group called Lily's Loving Heart, which you can find on Facebook, which goes down to a little earth and kind of grills up food and walks you know along the highway where some tents are and just tells people hey man we're grilling up some food if you're hungry it'll be ready in a half an hour come get something to eat give me that again lily's lily's loving heart cool very cool um the person that runs that is nick johnson his daughter is lily she's an eight-year-old girl who had this idea that she wanted to help people she Mm. wanted to feed anybody that was hungry so that's what they do that's um, beautiful. Yeah. It really is. Um, you know, I <clears throat> I like to go to volunteer my time at conventions and retreats. Uh, I think for my two months, I wanted to do something because I'm really good at when I get inside my own head is when I can twist things and end up back out. So this time in recovery, I kept myself busy with service work. Mm. Um, so at my two months, I went to the Rusk conference, the uh, Recovery Unity and Service Conference. I drove to Mankato to meet a woman I had never met before and stayed in her hotel room and I was a bell ringer and a greeter for the weekend. And I do a lot of things like that. Um, and I find like, if you feel like, oh, I'm not, I can be comfortable with that, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And you know, we're all there for the same reason. So if you're ever hesitant to do stuff, I urge you to do it because we don't get out of our comfort zone unless we try things. And, you know, everybody's there for the same reason. Everybody's loving. I mean, just go there and put yourself out there and you'd be surprised what you find. Um, Coffee, coffee, greeting. Greeting is huge. I think sometimes people forget how important those little jobs truly are because a greeter, like, we are the first face some people see that are terrified, scared. And sometimes just, like, I make it a habit if I see somebody new you know, somewhere I will go introduce myself. That's actually how I've gotten two sponsees. Um, I just go and introduce myself, start talking to somebody. Uh, me and a few of my girlfriends, when there's somebody new in a room, we'll sit down with them, sit during the meeting with them because I think people forget how important that is because we've all been new, but not all of us are outgoing. Some of us are messed, we're terrified. Sometimes we just need somebody to talk to. So when you have that friendly face, make you feel welcome it makes it so much easier to come back and that's huge and people are like oh greed i don't want to greed like that's a big deal it's a huge deal it's a huge deal and jordan i love this idea that you know doing things that you know um are that really mean the world to one person they might not change the world but they mean the world to one person right and it changes their world right and you're doing that when nobody's looking, right? It's this selfless, selfless sacrifice. And I find when I am able to do that, that it, there's, a, there's a stillness that, 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 that settles within my soul. 
you know my soul is often restless yeah <laughs> you know who mm-hmm. could identify with that restless soul oh, yes. yeah we the being of service in a really authentic way where I don't have any expectations attached to it at all really provides a peace within me that I can't duplicate in any other way right now one of the things that hit me early on in the big book, page 77, and I talked, I alluded this to this earlier, right, is really, this hit me like a two by four, right? Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us, right? And that sentence on page 77 just jumped out at me because at that time, I I must have had just over 30 days or right around 30 days. And I was desperate to find out what I was supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? I need to do something in order to start getting better. I had no idea. I was sort of like a like a uh, uh, like a boat, you know, that was just you know turning in circles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. That was good sound effects. And, and and when I saw this sentence yeah. in the big book, that pointed me in the right direction, and then I started motoring in the right direction, okay? right. because I just started helping wherever I saw an opportunity to help somebody. My sponsor used to say, you have to help somebody every day. Every day. <laughs> and if you tell somebody about it, it doesn't count. Okay? Ooh, I like that. I like that. Because, yeah, it's like, are, are, what's my motives here? You know, Am I doing Boom. it so that I'm like, hey, look at me. Look at what a great, you know member of this program I am or you know like trying to get my people to put me on a pedestal we can't ego feed like ego feeding is the opposite like we do selfless things like I don't know about you but I spend most of my life being a self-centered selfish person hell yeah absolutely and I know where it got me and it got exactly it got me sick real sick and it got everybody I love sick man I did damage my selfishness and I didn't know this until I made amends but how much my selfish, explosive anger and who I was as a person truly affected everybody in my life. Long, uh, long-term effects, and that when you hum- when you go through your amends, like you find out. Like I never thought I affected anybody, but I affected everybody. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Wow, dude, yeah. you're quick on the draw. Yeah, now with that I mean. <laughs> I like that. that that deserved a round of applause. Yeah. So, I mean, so one of the I prim- think Jordan's on fire. So wh- she is on fire, and I agree. Now uh, here's the deal, Jordan. Yes. You're on fire. <laughs> on fire. But you know, I want to say too, Jason. Like when Jason was made the comment, you know, about how he doesn't always feel like answering the phone. Mm. Now, take it from somebody who called everybody when she was in a sticky situation with her ex and needed needed to get out of there. Now, I had called Jason many times in the past, and he would come and get me, but I was still full of it. Like, I wasn't ready. But that day, thank God he he does things like that because he had every opportunity, every reason to not believe me, right? But Jason never lost faith, and that day he came and picked me up, and that day he brought me to a meeting, and that day was the last day I've used. 
Hell yeah. That is where the miracle is. Why? Because you didn't do it for any other reason, but because that's what you thought you were supposed to do at that time. That was following the will of your higher power. That was following the will of the God of your understanding. It wasn't based on whether she was going to get better or not. That had right. nothing to do with it. That's no. not the point. Dude, and let's, let's just touch on that real quick, too, because if you do, um, you get involved in this, this type of service where you're trying to help people get well, help them help themselves, and that's, that's a key component, like, that you need to be looking out for, you know? If they are full of shit, if they don't want to help themselves, you need to be able to distance yourself from them people because they just drain you of your energy, and, you know, even when you're really good and selective and you pick people that want to help themselves, eight times out of ten, it doesn't work out, and in the beginning of trying to do this service, that can be heartbreaking, but we, ha we learn how to have, like, a healthy level of detachment. We have to look at it in a way where, you know, I'm only in the effort business, not in the results business. I can do only what I can do, and, you know, at the very worst, or the very best, <laughs> I am on fire! Put me out! No, don't put me out. Leave me burn. Um, you know, I gotta, I gotta know that that I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm giving it the best of what I can give. And at the very, you know, worst, hopefully I at least planted a seed, and that that might come about down the road. But otherwise, you know. And all throughout it, the the hundreds of people that you were of service to, maybe only a fraction of them, yeah. Jordan being one of them. And it started so, to recover, but so guess, awesome but guess, but guess who, that. guess who stayed sober? I did. Bingo. Yeah, that's what my sponsor used to tell me in the beginning when I really would take it personal. He would be like, "Are you, you still sober?" sober <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, "Yep." And he'd be like, "Well, then it's working." That's right. Like that that's the whole point of doing service work. And I'm like, "No, but yeah. like, what could I have said <laughs> different?" And like, I wonder. Do you remember when I struggled with that? That acceptance part, like mm -hmm. for me, because. I, you know, being, actually have worked the steps now and doing it this time, I get to see what the other side feels like. Like, mm -hmm. I get to experience what I put everybody else through. And, like, for me, I had had a friend who went back out and I was afraid he was going to die or end up in prison. And my heart was just broken because I, I was helpless because you are. You are helpless. Absolutely. And I felt helpless. And that was the first time, I think I had four or five months, and that was the first time in my program that I had felt helpless and I called Jason because Jason knows this person as well and I just felt helpless and and just kind of lost and I'm like does this get easier does this acceptance get easier because my heart is broken for this person and I just want to shake them and be like what is wrong with you but how many times did I put people through that how many times did people want to do that to me like you're not ready until you're ready and you have to be ready on your own no amount of frothy emotional peel or anything else is going to get somebody ready. Like, you have to hit that bottom. You have to be ready and willing. Yeah. So, the 12th step says, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, addicts, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. This is all about service, right? And it's about carrying that message. So, let's talk about that because we've been talking around that a little bit right uh carrying the message is one of the things that we can do in order to be of service in recovery 
But Jason, how do you carry the message? I, I try to, I find the most effective way is just by sticking to my experience, yeah? So if I'm sharing about me, what happened with me, what didn't work, what worked, what I've learned over this journey, uh, lessons learned and things of that nature, it's a lot more effective. People, res- it resonates with people. Uh, they have them light bulb moments, actually, almost every single time. Somebody in the room, and a lot of times it's not even the person that I'm trying to drill at home for. It's some <laughs> random fucking person that was like eavesdropping you know um and that's the awesome part about it it's it's just being your genuine self being vulnerable being willing to go there and talk about the hard experiences those milestones reached you know i look at it too when you when you look at we were just talking about how you know we can't have expectations on somebody's success and it's the same thing with what you guys were just talking about you know carrying the message because the fact of the matter is, is until a person's experienced it for themselves, it really means jack shit. You know, J- Jordan said earlier about those things on the wall, those cliches, those sayings, used to piss me off. Mm. But once I worked the steps, all of a sudden I'm like, I get them now because mm. now they have a deep personal meaning to me. But it only came from doing the work. So, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's going to most of the time actually probably fall on kind of deaf ears no matter how well you articulate it so you can't beat yourself up because you have to understand that these things become revealed to a person when they work for it you know and when it's time when it's ready right so jordan how do you carry the message today of recovery um I really just try to live this program. I'm a really, you know, attraction rather than promotion. You live in a way that is attractive to others. Um, and I tell That's the, huge. Yeah, you know, because I saw somebody like Jason because me and Jason lived a very similar similar story um, as far as our history. We and actually got high together. Yeah. So you were attracted to Jason's recovery. Because you identified... And that's exactly what we do, too. You know, it has to have... That's why we help each other. That's why we do what we do. That's why we sponsor. That's why... Because one person helping another person, it has to have depth and weight. We have to understand. We have to know that they were hopeless and that there's a solution. And when it really comes down to it, it is as basic, but as pure is one alcoholic one addict helping another alcoholic helping another addict right one on one psychology right and really sharing that experience strength and hope right you know for me it's how I show up each day how am I living recovery today and if I am living in a way that's attractive to other people, then it's going to speak to the people that it's supposed to speak to. Yeah. I don't get to, that's the one thing, and when we talk about how we show up, and we talk about carrying the message, and we talk about being of service, and, and, and let's circle back to Jason, you being of service to Jordan. And you being of service to hundreds of others where it didn't necessarily spark that recovery. We don't get to choose. I don't get to choose who my recovery, my service work, my story, my experience, strength, and hope, this podcast. I don't get to choose 
who that speaks to. The God of my understanding gets to choose that. And you hit on it earlier, Jason. We're responsible for the effort. Not the outcome. Not the outcome. Absolutely. If I continue to show up in recovery, if I continue to find ways to be of service, then it's going to reach the people it's supposed to reach. Want to know a fun fact? Yes. On the in in NA Narcotics Anonymous, you get key tags. On the key tag for just for today, just for today, the last letters of those three words spells try. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. That's <Right>? amazing. <laughs> so one of the things it is amazing that recovery <laughs> gave me, and I'll let you guys maybe share how this is maybe transpired in your own lives and your own recovery but one of the things recovery gave me is this idea that i need to be of maximum service to the god of my understanding of the people around me right what that gave me was purpose Mm. i have purpose today because my guiding every day when i wake up my guiding mission is to try to be of maximum service. Yeah. Now, I, now I fall short. And I sometimes am more selfish than I would like to be in a day. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's given me purpose. It's given me this podcast. It's given me opportunities to volunteer at a hospital every month, right? at a treatment center. And... Those things have given me purpose. I lived a long, long time with absolutely no purpose in my life, feeling like my life was without purpose. And, And that's a feeling that is pretty fucking shitty. Yes, it is. Can you guys relate? Absolutely. Um, I, I always, for, I really truly believed that everybody in my life was better off without me. Mm. Um, I felt worthless. I felt like I was always going to be this nothing. Like I had done nothing with my life. Like I'm 32 years old. Did you feel like you were a burden? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I truly believed that everybody in my life was better off mm. without me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being of service now in recovery, is that giving you some purpose? Absolutely. I have accountability. I have trust. Um, my Last weekend, I got to babysit my niece and nephew for the first time ever, and they're two and four. Um, I was estranged from my sisters for five years, and when I sat down and made an honest amends, like my oldest sister... She, because I was a very violent, explosive person, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, we sat down and we had lunch for a few hours and it took me about an hour and a half just to get her to open up because she was terrified. And she does this thing where she plays with her ear when she's nervous mm-hmm. and she was shaking so bad she couldn't do it. And mind you, she's six years older than me, but she was so afraid of how I was going to react because of the person that I had been my whole life, a violent, angry, explosive person and it really took her so long to open up to me and those things that I did and seeing the effect 
that I had on her, that changed me. I had an emotional hangover for probably three days. Mm. I didn't even know there was a thing until my sponsor told me. I was like, what's that? That's a thing? That's a thing. It's a thing. Seeing that effect, you know, but now having changed like who I am and having a spiritual awakening and getting that outside perspective on, because I was a dick. Let's be honest. Let's put that out. I was not a nice person. I was a dick. Um, but after <laughs> mending those fences, like they're letting me back into their lives and I get to spend time with my nephews and my niece and be a part of my family again. And like, to me, there is no drug or drink that could replace that feeling. Like I was so thankful to be able to spend you know, last Sunday with my niece and nephew and get to have the day like that is what it's about. That is everything. What a gift. What an absolute what a blessing. gift. Jason, tell me a little bit about, you know, what it was like for you before you got into recovery, before you got sober in terms of purpose in your life and what it's like today. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, anything that I thought maybe filled that void that why am I here purpose void um it was all just false pride you know I think for a while being a kitchen manager at a restaurant filled it for a while you know but um or or maybe relationships or when I was you know feeling like the big man with the dope you know selling the dope everybody and phones always blown up and everybody always wants me around because I got what they want um, but it's so superficial and hollow and empty and it's not there's nothing substantive about it it's not tangible it doesn't it doesn't do anything for the soul you, you said something really important that I want to call out okay. why am I here how many times have we asked that and struggled with that in active addiction, active alcoholism? Why am I here, right? And I, I can, I can, countless times, I can recall being drunk, high, both, trying to drown that out, trying to drown out that question because I couldn't answer it. Right. You know. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because today, just at this point, which I feel like I'm still a baby in this, you know, recovery thing, but um, I've learned a lot and I've developed and, and worked on a lot of tools. And I know, like, there's no question in my mind that even if I stepped away from all the service, that there's there can be no question to me that I have um, gifts that I can help others with you know today and i didn't feel that way ever before so i mean that that's one thing that i'm really has really service given you that as the the, the yeah. ability and 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 just being hum being humbled right and teachable made me thirsty man like i just want to learn from other people and i used to just snap judge on people i'd maybe listen to half the people in the room if even because i have some reason to shut that shit down and i just tune them out i wouldn't pay attention but today i don't care how funny looking you are how weird your voice is or you know how you know much you stutter or whatever it might be i'm listening to it and i'm, I'm waiting to hear that that thing pop out of your mouth that's gonna really just hit me like a ton of bricks because that's what i need man i I need to be open, and I, I've never been open. You know, I always had trust issues. I was closed off, and even if I tried to act like I was, 
accepting of a relationship with another person. I think I always had them reservations. And today I'm just, uh, I'm willing to risk it all and, and be open, you know, and that's beautiful things come from that. There's no doubt about it. And you live a purposeful life today. Hardcore. <laughs> you know? I love it. And that purpose really gives us, a, it makes a huge difference in the quality of my life. The quality of my life is vastly improved. And I'm talking not even just in the program, man, right? Like my relationships with my family, you know, I got to... I, I get to watch my brother's house and, and hang with his dog and, you know, like all weekend this weekend, I get to last, the other weekend see my niece and nephew, you know, all for like three hours. And it's like they people like trust me, they actually want to be around me today. It's true. I think it's hilarious when uh, someone actually tells me I'm a good influence. Like that still throws me a little bit when they're like, oh, you should hang out with her. She's a good influence. I'm like, will. Yeah. Me? It'll con- it'll continue to do yeah. that too. Yeah. That's where the That's further funny. removed still, I get from the drugs, for real. the weirder this gets. For real. <laughs> so let's talk about some kinds of service that people can do if they're new in recovery or mm-hmm. if they haven't done a lot of service in recovery. What kinds of things can people do? What kinds of service work? I mean, there's do? all kinds. Like uh, just picking somebody up for a meeting if they need a ride, making coffee, setting up chairs, helping cleaning up. I mean... Just ask somebody if there's anything you can help them with today. I mean, there is a million, just greet, uh, open doors for people. There's a million ways to be of service every day. Um, Absolutely. I used to like, when I do, it's kind of like, I don't know what to do. Um, I used to like sign up once or twice a month for Feed My Starving Children. And there's there's tons of nonprofits out there like that where you can just go on their website and you sign up and it's free. You know, and you just go and, you know, you give of your time. You give of yourself. Uh, if you're into church or any anything like that where people meet, um, the, there's always stuff you can do, you know, opening doors, greeting, uh, serving up coffee or whatnot. And I, I just, like, I loved the thing that really helped me out a lot. And I, got, I think I got the most gratification out of when I was early in recovery was, like, my sponsor said, anytime you're at a meeting, anywhere – um, you need to share regardless of what you want to or not, because what you say, no matter if you got a day, an hour or 30 years uh, could be what somebody needs to hear. So you need to share every meeting because then you're giving of yourself. That's a form of service. And then on top of that, he said, if you ever see somebody that looks sad or down that you've never met or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like you should go up and ask them how they're doing. And sharing in a meeting is huge too, because like Jason and I both have uh, a history of abuse and you know substance abuse, alcoholism. I mean, we have we have a lot of experience. And when you share in a meeting and you are open and honest and raw, nine times out of ten, somebody can identify. Boom. Well, and you give them permission to do the same thing. Exactly. And they don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. They uh, can connect in a way that they wouldn't have been able to connect, and they think to themselves, "I thought I was the only one that felt that way. And I was the only permission to get vulnerable." Boom. Yeah. Yep. Because somebody else did that, right? Correct. And they said, "Well," and one of the things I, I I identified really early in recovery is you know they always say stick with the winners, right? What does that mean? Well, one of the things that became abundantly clear is that the people that were doing well in recovery, the people that had what I wanted. They were doing service. They were plugged in. They were connected. Okay? They were doing some sort of regular service. 
Uh, whether it was chairing a meeting, whether it was greeting, whether it was sponsoring, whether it was service within a 12-step organization like, you know, this district and, you know, other sorts of uh, internal service positions, whether you're the GSRs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. General service reps and those kinds of things, whether you're the treasurer. Yep. Night owl to answering Exactly. Phones. Answering phones yep, yep. for inner group. Yep. Absolutely. So there's just a myriad of ways. And as we... You can get pen pals in prison. Right. Yep. There like you bridge, go. Bridging the gap. You can go gap. to detox and you can hold meetings and do that kind of thing. I know a lot of 12-step groups hold meetings at treatment centers or detoxes or jails. Yep. My roommate does jail meeting every Thursday night. And so those kinds of things. One of the things I realized is that, you know, we all have gifts. We all have things that we are well suited for right and we find those out when we remove the the drugs and the alcohol and the substances we start to be able to identify because people tell us well and you got they say hey you're good at that you hey, got step, step out and try new things too right like absolutely like if, podcast. if you're living yes jordan i'm so glad <laughs> you can if you, Huge if you don't step through the fear and try to think like you were saying earlier you know you you said Get out there and try stuff, it, and that's what you got to do. You know, we learn through our living and experiencing and making mistakes. You know, we're gonna make mistakes along the way. It's okay. So, Dr. Pagano is a leading researcher of recovery and service, and it always been sort of anecdotal that service was a big component in terms of having long term meaningful recovery but it had never been really studied scientifically before dr pagano decided that she wanted to study this empirically and scientifically when dr pagano compared compared helpers to non-helpers that's how she categorized them in her study almost five thousand people she had in her study she found that 40% of helpers avoided taking a drink in the 12 months following a three-month treatment period, while only 22% of non-helpers helpers stayed sober, hmm. a doubling effect rarely seen in social science research, she says. Wow. That's powerful. It's powerful. You know, it's kind of funny, though. I was surprised at the numbers of the non-helpers that, that stayed sober. Right. Because to me, and maybe it's just because I dove in and, I, and I've been okay. balls of the wall with this that I'm like, shit, this is what works for me. And if I wasn't doing these things, like I have no doubt in my mind that I'd have a needle in my arm. Um, you know, but I started, so I started on, on heavy drugs at a very young age, you know, uh, 14 and, and 16. I really dove in and I did my first treatment at 17. Now I'm 32 years old. Now... I was never able to, I've been in and out of these rooms my whole life. Now I, and this is the first time I've ever honestly worked the steps and put everything into it. And this is the only time it stuck because I was willing. So you can't, nothing gets better. Like this is not an easy thing. You have to put in the work. You don't put in the work, you won't see any results. And the willingness is important for the service. It's important for working the steps. And I can so identify with you, Jordan. So I, I my first treatment was when I was 16 and I got sober this time, four years, God willing, December 6th. 
at age 36. You know, so I also was at this thing for a long time, right before it quote unquote clicked for me. But the difference was the willingness to work the steps, to be of service, right? To connect with a higher power. I would say absolutely those are the three things, right? The higher power, the God of my understanding, first and foremost, service and recovery, and working those steps on a regular and consistent basis. Those have really been the key ingredients, right, in terms of, you know, providing that lasting and meaningful recovery. And if I stop doing any one of those, I think it's a huge risk for me. I really do. And I'm not about to because it's worked. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just, (laughs) I, when I started actually to give this thing a chance and listen and, and trying to learn something instead of guessing that I knew what was happening. Um, man, I'll tell you what, I just take it all to heart, you know, and I hear these stories and I hear these stories and I'm like, yup, like I need to do these things because that's what I keep hearing. And that's all I need to know. I don't really give a shit about anything else. <laughs> you know who I, who I surround myself in recovery this time too, because it's not everything, but it made a big difference. I surround myself with the people who, how they live and how they speak coincide. Their words line Mm -hmm. up with their actions. They are the same people in the rooms as outside of the room. We call that integrity. Correct. And you learn that through fellowshipping and stuff. And I don't make up, I don't make up new stuff. My sponsor taught me what worked for her and I can only teach the girls what has worked for me. I don't make up new stuff. I don't decide to put my own spin on it. Mm. And I tell the women that I work with, like, I am taking you through this book, not for you. This isn't for you. This is for the person you're going to help. Boom. This is for the next person. That's why we are going through this. So you can learn what to do with the next person because we can't keep it unless we give it away. That's that purpose piece. That's that purpose that that sets in then. Then you're instilling in the people that you help. Immediately you're saying, you're not done. <laughs> we have a responsibility. That's right. Man. And that's so damn right. You're not done. You don't get sober and stop. You start. It's about you. Bingo. Fuck no. I love that. You're no. saying, I'm teaching you the way I was taught so that you can help other people. I love that. That is great. I absolutely love that. You know another way of being service? Calling into the Way Out podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, talking about. Totally. So we got a call from Buddy. Let's listen to Buddy. Oh, yeah. Hey, way out. Podcasters, Buddy C. Service What's up, Buddy? Service work in recovery. And that's a great topic. I'm looking forward to hearing what, what you guys have. I, I had a couple of, uh, I looked up a couple of uh, references for you. Uh, gave me a chance to do a little research. I found You're the man. three different sources that might help you. Um, the first is, of course, an AA reference. Uh, from page 89, the big books as practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. You know, a lot of times when, when I came into recovery, I thought that uh, this was something new for AA, but it's not. <laughs> uh, the idea of helping someone else and helping someone else that helps yourself has been around forever, and it works in every area of life. Amen. Not just your recovery. Uh, the Bible says, uh, one of the Beatitudes says that when you find yourself full of care, when you're full of care, you find yourself cared for. That's making room for your higher power when we think of someone else other than ourselves. Then I uh, had a 
118 quote for you, which was written 2,500 years ago. This is from the 81st chapter. It says, the sage never tries to store things up. That's the wise one. The more he does for others, the more he has. The more he gives to others, the greater his abundance. So we always have more when we learn that our job, for me, is to help somebody else. And then I leave room for more. So great topic. Look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. He's on fire. He's on fire. One of the things that I really, really loved about what Buddy just shared was this idea that he, that service, first of all, isn't new. This has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. So it's a tried and true, what I like to call a universal spiritual truth. Yes. Okay. It's universal across all religions, across all aspects of life, not just in recovery, right? So uh, AA didn't invent it, you know, NA didn't invent it, but they certainly were able to apply that universal truth within the 12 steps. And uh, boy, is it important. What did you get out of what Buddy just shared? That's just awesome, man. I love it that you you uh, put a little preparation into your call. Um, it's definitely true, man. Like it's just everything you said is just a hundred percent true. We our cup, as long as we keep emptying it out into others, it'll never go dry. It'll never go dry. You know, it brings me back to that Fellowship of the Sponge. We kind of plugged that, Doctor. Absolutely, Doctor Greg Bugon. Uh, it's like a YouTube video, uh, you know, about the fellowship of the sponge. And it's like, we have to find a healthy balance between filling up and pouring out into others. It's the only way. And we get the greatest healing when we're doing that stuff. It's the, but those, I just love how you just infuse, you know, brought to the forefront for everybody, those different cultural backgrounds take on it because it is, you know, all peoples, all languages, Across all aspects of life. I mean, you, you referenced a 2,500-year-old text, the Tao Te Ching. Yeah. Where this idea of altruistic service being a core spiritual principle. Yeah. Right? That's amazing. Thank you, buddy. You rock as always. Now, buddy does a Tao Te Ching podcast and group on the share yeah, yeah. okay so there's your plug buddy if you guys want to know more about the Dao Te Ching if you want to learn more share about space yep go to share space okay you can hit up uh, share at wayoutcast.com and I'll get you the information uh, I've just started listening to it I will be listening to it I just downloaded the Dao Te Ching so that's a thing for me for sure yeah. and buddy's doing a great job so thank you buddy for that all right we got another call coming up we got Annie and she actually left, there's a three-minute okay, uh, cap on the voicemails that you can leave. The message is like, and, and Annie, uh, and Annie uh, needed more time. So, uh, All right, right, Annie. <laughs> she was feeling especially spirited. So, Annie. Good morning and happy Sunday. Wait. Uh, oh, my God, this is not Annie. This is John. Apple Valley, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, first of all, I would. I understand the topic this week awesome. is service work. I've called them worse. At the Way Out podcast, and, and specifically you, Charles, uh, thank you 
so much for your service because that means a lot to a lot of people. I know uh, uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, mileage out of uh, listening to some of the podcasts that you, you've done. So, if, again, thank you. Um, you know, service work is, for me, uh, pretty much the foundation of, of, of all that's all that AA is about, uh, it's, it's about helping other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. And uh, when I first got into uh, recovery, uh, I, I was pretty quick to get active in service work, and, and, I, and I think uh, part of that, at least initially, was because I wanted to, um, I wanted to show people that I was, that I was actually interested in, in, in staying sober and, and being a part of of the program. Uh, that later morphed into uh, sort of a need to do it because it made me feel better. It made me feel like I was hooked into the program better. It also uh, kept me sober, and I realized that. So six months in, I, I started chairing a meeting. Uh, now, I don't, I don't know that all groups will let you do that. Some of them have a one-year sobriety requirement. Uh, I, I specifically think that uh, as long as the person who is uh, asking to do the service work is is showing commitment to the program that I don't think there should be a, a, a sobriety limit uh, on on when you can or can't do service work. I, I, I personally have uh, benefited from that early on in my recovery, and I've had a couple of sponsees that I've worked with who uh, I uh, helped them to get into doing uh, service work, specifically chairing of a meeting. Uh, one of the guys had three months of, of study time and did it for a year, and I know for sure that that kept him sober, uh, and he's still sober today, two years later. So, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it should be handled on a on a person by person basis, and, a, and of course a meeting by meeting basis. But I do believe that um, the earlier you get involved in service work, the better. Uh, and of course, there are so many different ways that you can provide service to the AA community. Um, everything from providing rides to people who need rides to eating, uh, making coffee, uh, sharing your 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 experience, thoughts, and hope uh, at meetings, um, presenting topics, uh, sponsoring, uh, chairing a meeting, uh, giving back through work in your GSR as a in a, as a GSR. Uh, that's a, a service rep that goes to the the monthly GSR meetings and kind of finds. You got cut off. There's a bit. There's a lot here, and there's a big piece that John. This is John, my sponsor, by the way, and he always. Oh. Fo- this is my sponsor. Now he's going to wrap it up here, and he. And, but he. But he said a couple of really, really important things. That I think we need to touch on. So rest of John. Wow, you know I talk too long when. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the call in line. Never, never too long. Uh, no, just to, to finish off, the, the, there are a myriad number of ways that you can provide service to AA and to your fellow alcoholics, and I encourage. Uh, anyone who is either early in recovery or you got 25 years of recovery, uh, get involved. Never uh, get stop. Back because it means the world to the people that are receiving. And I truly believe that it's a way for you to stay sober. Uh, and it does help your recovery program by um, sort of keeping you hooked into the, to the, to the process. And uh, and I think it, it brings huge rewards uh, to you personally for, for being involved in, in any kind of service work. So... Good luck, folks. Uh, thank you, Charlie, for doing this again. Uh, it's a great program, uh, and, and I uh, will try to contribute when I can, but uh, thanks again. Bye. 
And thank you guys for doing this, by the way. So one of the things, and John said, thank you, John, so much. I apologize for calling you Annie. Uh, I'm assuming I'll be hearing about that later when this podcast airs. One of the things he said, which I think was really, really important, is getting people that are new in recovery plugged into service early, right? Yeah. Because I really do think that it can... Uh, increase their commitment and their uh, accountability. You mentioned accountability a, a few times. Jordan. I'm big on it. I'm huge on it. Yep. And so I think getting people plugged in early into recovery in service really brings that accountability piece in. Yeah. What else did we get out of John? Um, well, you know, like I really like when he's like, it doesn't matter if you have two days or 25 years. Absolutely. Like you are never done because we are never, you know, we are recovery. We are never fully recovered. We have an, we have an abnormal reaction. We have a mind that, you know, we have an obsession. Like the second we stop doing what we need to do, we will be right back in our old way of thinking, our character defects. Like, this is a lifelong process. Like, unless I'm working this on a daily basis, I will quickly regress to who I used to be. Like, you are never done. This is something that needs work every day. One of the things I think he said, and I think that's amazing, you're right. Um, uh, It is sort of like showering. Yesterday's shower doesn't matter. It's optional. (laughs) (laughs) No! No! Showers only last a little while. That's why we recommend to do it every day. Service is to me the same way, right? (laughs) So for me, I have to do this on a daily basis in order for it to continue to produce the effect that I want, right? Yeah. So one of the things he said too was that early on in his recovery, he wanted to be of service to show that he was serious, right? That he was committed to this thing, right? And I think that's an important piece to service. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do service was to do something that was tangible. It was an action and that it was visible evidence of my willingness to do whatever it took to get better, right? And it, how it works, right? We have to be willing to go, if you want what we have. Or willing to go to any length. And the service is a part of that. Absolutely. And so, and I was willing to go to any length. And I am willing to go to any, and I have to continue to be willing to go to any length in order to maintain my sobriety and to progress in my recovery. I went to any length to do drugs and alcohol, so why not, you know, do this thing full on? And the willingness has to be renewable, right? Like, I can't just be willing once and be done. I have to continue to be willing. Like, for me, okay, so I am coming up on a year, and I found myself feeling a lot like I did when I first got sober. Super emotional, a little hypersensitive, a little scared, because it's new. Like, I, you know, this is new to me. And so I have asked somebody to take me through the book again and doing my steps again because, like, what could it hurt? It's not going to hurt Absolutely anything. Not. Absolutely not. Right? I told her about PMS. Yeah. <laughs> she hadn't heard about it. What? Uh, no. For the Way Out podcast audience listeners who don't know what that is, Jason. <laughs> 
it's pre-medallion syndrome. <laughs> like you always, and maybe it's not like I want to get drunk or I want to get high, but um, you start feeling some type of way around that anniversary time. You know, it, you're where it'll make you be like, "What the fuck is wrong with me?" You know what I mean? And it, it can be pretty intense. But yeah, it's it's a normal thing. Even Fats knows about it. Even so. Chubbers, who's now, it, it's it's. About an hour and a half before it's time for tons of fun over there <laughs> to eat, and that's when he starts notifying me, mm-hmm. yeah, that it's time to eat. Cute. So yeah, no, it's adorable. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great. So let's wrap up, guys. Oh, hold on first, no. I really wanted to share oh. the rest of this story with you guys because it really listening to your sponsor, John, um, kind of triggered that memory. Do you love, by the way, that he calls me Charles? I do. It's yeah. so proof, like it's yeah. really adulty. Yeah, yeah it is. Super cool. Well, I, I feel pretty important. Make you sound distinguished. I like it. I think yeah. the way our podcast theme song should be Charles and Charles <laughs> because this was your podcast first, and now you know, like, I, I get it. to be part of it. Right. For some reason, oh, I feel like I should <laughs> tell you you look dapper. Aww. Uh, yes. Thank you. Okay, so this story, that first, that first meeting, that first CMA meeting, the other person who wanted a service commitment her name was sammy she was she had been recently released from prison at the time she was on parole at this at this time um and she was just getting out of or finishing up her follow-up care with her treatment she she was cute funny really cocky though you know like she thought she had this ship of balls Mm. or at least that's the way she acted um that girl, as soon as she got off paper, a couple months later, went and relapsed on heroin, mm. disappeared for a couple weeks, reached out to me for some help, and then didn't follow through with like meeting up with me, and then like a week later, she was dead. Um, and that goes right back to what we were talking about earlier, about putting expectations on people's success in this thing. Um she the was same, a beautiful, beautiful, bright person, yeah. too. The she same was a kindness. She was a light. Like, the same kindness was shown to us, both of us, that night. You know, by by the chair stepping down so that there was two available service positions so we could each be of service. And we were both very early. And, you know, it was awesome for the few months before she disappeared from the rooms to be able to sit next to her and... and take on our first like actual service commitments together um and and develop that rapport and and it just goes to show that no matter how good somebody appears to be doing you can never fully think that you know they got this and like they don't ever need your help sometimes the people that help the most people need your help the most you know because people don't think they need help you know so it never hurts to ask the tough questions or try to get deep or try to really probe into somebody else and say how are you doing today you know like because that's the you know you touched on that earlier jordan you know like worrying about somebody else for a fucking change you know even if it is the person that's always helping others so we know that this disease is progressive yeah. We know cunning, baffling, powerful. That without recovery, what the end of this disease looks like. Yeah. Right? And so in a very real way, service and being of service can be the difference between living and dying. 
Absolutely. It's that important. We're stepping over dead bodies in this thing, man. And like what I, you know, like I, like I said, if you are feeling, if you are feeling in a way and you are sitting in your shit, reach out to five or 10 people, see how they're doing. Don't unload your shit on them, but call them, text them, see how they're doing. Because nine times out of 10, you know, some other people going through some stuff and that phone call, you never know where that leads and how much that can take you out of yourself and make you feel better. It's true. Like, get outside of yourself. Like, you find the most happiness when you do that. For me, I find I am at most at peace and happy when I am outside of myself. Yeah. When I'm totally puzzled about what what the hell is going on with And me. God really has That's a sense of... That's always the most powerful anecdote. God has a sense of humor, me. too, because he <laughs> right. always puts you, like, right where you need to be. Yeah. Like, he has a funny way of doing that. God is really, he doesn't test you. He gives you opportunities, and he has a sense of humor. <laughs> My God is a funny mother meffer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, is in into action in the big book, okay, is, and I love the title, because action was everything for me, and service is all about action. That was the action that I needed to take. There was really two primary forms of action after I made my decision, right? Step one is a description of the problem. Step two is a description of the solution. Step three is a decision of whether I want to live in the problem or whether I want to live in the solution, which is the program of action in steps four through nine. Right. Right. And service is all about action. So one of the things that you see in into action is that we resolutely turn our attention towards somebody that we can help. In any and it's talking about in any situation where we're feeling restless, irritable, discontented, okay? That that place that I can still get to where I don't like being in my own skin and I'm feeling itchy and I'm feeling and I'm I'm either feeling triggered or I'm just not in a good place. I always know that if I turn my attention to somebody that I can help yep. that I cannot do that and be restless, irritable and discontent at the same time. They can't live in the same space. They just can't. Right. So it's an always available solution, right? And resolutely, yes. you know, entails that it's a pre premeditated choice. It's 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 something that you're it's a commitment. You know, you're making that commitment to yourself because you know that when you're in those situations, you ain't going to feel like it. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to be stuck in your head. And, you know, you can fall back on that knowing that it is the solution, that it's the best antidote for when you get lost. And so on page 84, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleared up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime, 
continue to watch for selfish, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God, our higher power, at once to remove them. We ask them with someone immediately, we discuss them with someone immediately and we make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. Yes. I love it. Jordan, Jason, I really feel like we owe ourselves a round, a rounding <laughs> round of applause, don't you? Don't you? I think I feel like it was good. I'm really, really happy you had me on today. I'm, Jordan, I'm thank really you blessed. so much for being on the Way Out podcast. Do not be a stranger. You must come back. Oh, absolutely. You Anytime. Must come back. Anytime. Okay? Yeah. So I think we got ourselves a recurring co-host, don't uh, you? Yeah. I would love that. Welcome to Thank the Way you. Out Podcast co-host. I can't say brotherhood. Roster. Family. Yeah, roster. Family. Family. Oh. Yeah, I trumped it with Roster. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for being a part of the Way Out, where we share stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com that's wayoutcast all one word dot com or drop your host a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com there you can also find links to previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher and Podcast Garden if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast contact me at share at wayoutcast.com see you next time and remember if you don't change your sobriety day will intro recovery revealed and outro music courtesy of ben sound music